This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, May 15th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Jake Neer, in for Kellen Walker. Today on the show, new car inventory reaches levels we haven't seen for about two years. The U.S. calls for a recall of 67 million airbag inflators, and a $4 billion battery plant in Canada might be in jeopardy. Plus, Blink Charging President and CEO Brendan Jones talks about his company's work building a more reliable charger network. We're getting to this level of hyperscalability. We're also realizing that You know, behind the scenes, we're seeing all sorts of movements on capacity. You know, it's like, well, wait and see if we need this. There's no more wait and see. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. New vehicle inventories are continuing their slow climb, even in the face of the fastest sales pace in more than a year. Data compiled by Cox Automotive and the Automotive News Research and Data Center show more signs that production constraints are easing. Cox's most recent estimate of U.S. inventory is just over 1.9 million vehicles in April, which represents a 53-day supply. The vehicle total is up a little from March and about 71% higher than it was a year earlier. The vehicle total is up a little from March and about 71% higher than it was a year earlier. That supply is very close to where inventory was at the same point in 2021, as inventory levels began to rapidly recede and industry-wide supply fell below 40 days. The only segments with less than a 40-day supply of inventory are midsize, compact, subcompact, and high-performance cars. That's been the case for months. On the other end of the spectrum, with more than 80 days supply, according to Cox, were full-size pickups, electric vehicles, full-size cars, hybrid, and alternative fuel vehicles. U.S. vehicle safety regulators are calling for the recall of 67 million airbag inflators. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration believes there's a safety defect, but documents released late last week show that auto supplier ARC Automotive does not agree with the U.S. regulator's analysis. ARC airbag inflators are in General Motors, Stellantis, BMW, Hyundai, and Kia vehicles, GM has agreed to recall nearly a million vehicles with the ARC airbag inflators after a rupture in March resulted in facial injuries to a driver. The GM recall covers almost a million Buick Enclave, Chevy Traverse, and GMC Acadia vehicles from the 2014 through 2017 model years. Dealers will replace the driver's airbag module. The Auto Safety Agency says the inflators pose an unreasonable risk of death or injury. The supplier says a cause and statistical pattern has not been sufficiently determined to justify such a broad recall. Stellantis and LG Energy Solution are implementing contingency plans related to a more than $4 billion battery plant in Canada. The companies say that's because the federal government has not delivered on its promises. LG Energy and Stellantis announced the investment last year to establish a large-scale EV battery factory in Canada. At the time, Canada's Innovation Minister, Francois-Philippe Champagne, described the deal as the largest ever in the Canadian auto sector. A spokesperson for Champagne said on Friday that the government continues to negotiate in good faith on the project, 
Unnamed sources told the Toronto Star that Stellantis is threatening to pull the plug on the battery plant unless the government sweetens its deal to match what Volkswagen received this year. And a group of U.S. Tesla Model S and Model X owners have filed a lawsuit against the EV maker in California. It says automatic software updates have decreased driving range or caused battery failures. The lawsuit, which is seeking class action status, claims Tesla's updates and their effects violate state and federal laws because they can cut driving range by up to 20% and can require some owners to replace batteries at a cost of $15,000. Tesla did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The group filed the lawsuit in the U.S. District Court in San Francisco. It argues that affected Tesla vehicles are protected computers under the definition outlined in the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, and that automatic updates violate consumers' rights under the law. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, this story about Stellantis and LG possibly halting their huge battery plant investment in Canada, that that caught my eye quite a bit. This is really unusual, right? Yeah, I really can't think of seeing anything like this before. Usually, you know, you get these big deals announced, there's a lot of government support for it, and at that point, the the deal's done. Uh, this one seems to be a little more loose, and of course, with the extra deal with Volkswagen coming into play, uh, maybe Stellantis feels a need to renegotiate a little. With all that's going on around this country and through the whole continent, it does make you wonder if you're going to see more of this as companies play hardball and and consider backup choices. Interesting prospect. Coming up, EV charging companies believe they're at an inflection point when it comes to capacity and their ability to scale up. We'll hear from Blink Charging President and CEO Brendan Jones next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit reyrey.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Jake Neer. While manufacturers are plowing forward into the electrification age, what about the charging infrastructure? There are billions of federal dollars being spent to build 500,000 public chargers, but at a time when so many electric vehicles are hitting the road, the U.S. charging network is still in its infancy. Brendan Jones is the president and CEO of Blink Charging, which recently won a contract with the U.S. Postal Service to supply more than 40,000 chargers. 
He spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility, about the contract and his company's position in scaling up public charging. Here's a piece of their conversation. Tell me about Blink Charging a little bit. And if I understand correctly, you are primarily focused on that L2 charging uh, area. Yeah, we do both. Uh, and to about the split that we see there, 90-10, is about our split right now. We're involved in a lot of DC fast charger projects, but every day we're putting in more and more L2s in the US, in Europe, in Greece, in South America. Uh, we'll have another country that we're going to launch in pretty soon. The dominant is L2. Uh, and we do a lot of what we call dwell time charging. And that's where the car sits. When I know we pay a lot of money for our cars, but they do sit 95% of the time, according to the Department of Transportation. Uh, and then, but that it, it provides us with the other opportunities. I think the unique thing about Blink is we make sure our business model is diversified as the needs of each of our customers. So for the US Post Office, we want a big, big contract. In fact, it's one of the largest government contracts for charging ever. Uh, we've already fulfilled the first order on that, but that's fleet chargers. And then fleet management solutions and the network to back that up. So the business models are expanding in different segments. One in-home charging, then multifamily dwelling, then municipal public charging, then fleet charging, and fleet charging private, and fleet charging government, and et cetera, all across the board. So we're making sure that we have a solution and a business model that's flexible. And the reason why we do it is so we don't say no to a customer. You know, I just, we own and operate chargers, but I also sell chargers. And then I'll get in a hybrid agreement with the customer as well that, hey, you pay for the install, I'll pay for upkeep, maintenance, and charger replacement when needed, and we split revenues. Our goal is to make sure we never say no, and then our goal is to control it from a vertically integrated perspective. And that means I manufacture my own equipment, I have my own network, not a third-party network, and I complete that ecosystem and have a quality experience. Because every time, you know, the minute you, you have different stages in your ecosystem, you, you have a point of failure as well. So you have to make sure that if you control the majority of those points of failure, you're going to improve the quality over time. So there's a lot I want to dive into on what you sure. just said, but, <laughs> but maybe first I'll start with talking about your, your business model and not saying no to customers. Uh, you just had your first quarter earnings uh, report. Mm -hmm. There's a couple numbers I want to highlight. Sure. Uh, first quarter revenue up 121% year over year, sales up 104% year over year, service revenue up 216% year over year. Um, Whatever your model and not saying no, it seems like we're, we're at that inflection point, uh, either for Blink specifically or for the and or for the industry uh, writ large at, that we mentioned uh, a few moments ago. Yeah, absolutely. And we're we're getting to this level of hyperscalability, right? And and we're also realizing that you know behind the scenes we're seeing all sorts of movements on capacity. Okay, so it you know it's like well, wait and see if we need this. There's no more wait and see. So we have to drive revenue, which we're doing, and we keep improving quarter over quarter, month over month, uh, et cetera. And then we have to innovate simultaneously and keep innovating, keep me up, because the charging spectrum is changing. But our job is then to take away the expense, because as you've seen, with all that that you just said, I'm integrating four different companies behind the scenes. 
that we've acquired over the last 18 months. And I've got to reap efficiencies out of each one of those to drive the margin higher, the bottom line, control expense, drive revenue, come out with profitability at a point in the future. What's been the strategy behind the acquisitions you mentioned? Obviously, there's been that flurry of acquisition activity. Yeah, so we when we look at a company, we look at does it fit our model, right? So take SemiConnect, manufacturing. Well, we wanted to move away from where we designed it, but we had a third-party manufacturing. So we we looked at Sema, then we looked at you know the portfolio of customers. We're like, wow, this is a very strong customer base. Uh, we love their manufacturing. So we got the manufacturing facility in India. We got the assembly facility in Bowie, Maryland. And now we're beginning to migrate all of our chargers on that. And over time, what's that's improving is our overall gross margin. Now, we've got some legacy equipment we got to play through and get off of, out of our warehouses and in, in, into uh, customers' hands. But we're going to get through that. And we have a plan, and it looks real good. But those synergies now... You know, when you, you look at them, we've got four networks out there. We'll sunset one of the networks uh, in the coming 30 days, uh, another one 30 days after that, and then another one. And each time we sunset one of those, we reap even more synergies and efficiencies. And those have not been reflected yet in the bottom line. So if we can integrate and create positive synergies, where these acquisitions fail historically in every industry is you don't get them. And those companies become islands onto themselves and you have duplications and processes and functions all over the place and you never reap anything. Well, we get that uh, and we're trying to avoid that at all costs. It, it, now, it's not as easy as just saying it. Doing it takes dedication, follow up and a little bit you know, of perseverance. Uh, and we're engaging in this on a daily basis. How does your strategy to vertically integrate kind of fit into needs to meet by American requirements? Yeah, so it's a, it's a really good question. So that was top of mind on the L2 side. Uh, when we were looking at it, he was a pre-existing facility. By one of the uh, legacy requirements that was already by America, uh, then as the new requirement, it only took a few uh, changes to get it there. So right now on the L2 side, we are by America compliant out at, at of our Bowie, Maryland facility. So then it's also the same thing. It's how in the new facility that we're in the final selection process of right now, um, that will build DC fast chargers that are Buy America compliant. Now we know already that what subcomponents and systems have to be built and where to source them and everything, because we're already manufacturing versions of DC fast chargers in India today. So now we're taking that the resourcing plan is underway. We know to get what materials to become compliant. And the rule is that by July 2024, 55% of the content in the DC fast charger has to be assembled and made in the US. And so you can't just say final assembly, you have to go down to the sub-assembly level. And that's where we're at today. Now, the US market on a broader note needs to structurally adjust a lot. We need more of the power supplies, the screens, the chipsets, but there's a multiplicity of, uh, for plug and charge and for vehicle to grid, you have one specific chip set. And then to run the rest of the equipment, the PC boards and everything else, you need another chip set. Uh, but we have to have more of those in source into the US from production perspective to get to this. 
Uh, that, that's going to be the big challenge for the market. Now, we can get to 55, but the administration has hinted they're going to kick up above that. So we're forward looking and saying, okay, if they go to 65, what's it going to be? And that's where our planning is right now. Brendan Jones is the president and CEO of Blink Charging. He spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Jake Neer in for Kellen Walker. Thanks to our own Larry Veliquet for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on tech and innovation, new vehicle inventories, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with automotive news reporter Michael Martinez about Ford's Ranger and Ranger Raptor. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh,